Well, childhood certainly uh, presents many, many challenges. Some are overwhelming, yet others are the day-to-day kinds of stuff we, we get through. When I was in elementary school, I played football with my, my friends, and we simply loved tossing a football around the playground. In those days, I was tall, but I was skinny. The first part was okay, not the second. Being skinny meant whenever we played football, I'd get run over by the bigger boys. And I remember one day out on the playground, I looked over at a fellow I liked and a friend of mine, and I said to myself, if only I was not skinny and had his size. And to make matters worse, when he threw the football to me one afternoon, I ran backwards into a pole and ended up in the hospital for five days with a concussion. Not fair. Then middle school hurt, uh, hit, uh, girls became of interest, and although it, seemed the girls I, although it seemed like the girls that I liked were far more interested than other boys. If only I was like them, I remember saying to myself, it's not fair. High school came around, I did okay to pretty well in most subjects, but some topics simply baffled me. If only I had a brain like so-and-so, I said, it's not fair. When thinking about all of this, it seems that a lot of us use the word if in life, and we likely acquire the habit when we're young. And when you listen to people nowadays, sometimes you'll hear things like, if you do this, you do this or you do that, or you work really hard, you will get this. Or if you buy a house in that neighborhood, you'll get your money back. Or if you vote for this person, your life will be better. Or if you do this, you'll be healthier. If you do that, you will be happy. And I could go on and on and on with other examples of when we use the word if, and I'm sure that each of us here today has many of our own. Well, we as human beings use the word if a lot. There is one who does not ever use the word, and that one is God. God does not use the word if because there is nothing iffy about God. And although on the surface it may seem easy to accept this, there is one thing that is really tough to get our hands around, when it comes to our non-iffy God. You see, when it comes to grace and the love of God which underlies it, God does not use the word if. Nor does God always seem fair to us when it comes to God's love and grace. Now, I'd like to share a story this morning. It's a story that has stuck with me for decades. And it's a powerful story. It's all about grace. It's a hard story to hear. Perhaps some of you have heard it. It's hard to hear now, given the racial divides in our country. But before I share the story, I just need to be very clear about something. And that is that God is a God of justice. And justice matters to people the most who need it the most. Justice matters. There have got to be consequences for misdeeds, and accountability is important. So is repentance and truth and forgiveness. So what I'm getting into this morning is not at all a comment on the need for justice or that we have a God of justice. And nothing that I'm saying today is meant to convey that justice does not matter. It matters profoundly to God. So with that little caveat in mind, I want to get to the point today of it's not fair and that that's good. Mississippi lies in the Deep South and was at the heart of the Civil Rights Movement, as many of us know. 
It's a place where the humidity is high and prejudice is thick as clouds and mosquitoes. Mississippi, like lots of places in the U.S., was and is a place where it's not easy to be black. A southern preacher by the name of Will Campbell grew up in Mississippi. In seminary long ago, I had the chance to meet Will and hear Will preach. He was truly an astonishing man. Well, anyway, in the 1960s, as a southern white man, Will had a hard time accepting segregated schools, segregated lives, and yes, even segregated churches. Can we believe that churches were actually segregated? He organized voter registration drives and peaceful protests, and Will developed quite a name for himself, and because of his reputation, the press became interested in him. And one day, a reporter by the name of P.D. East approached Will Campbell and asked, Mr. Campbell, you, you are a Christian. Can you tell me in about 10 words or less what Christianity is, is all about? And Will thought for a few moments, and then he responded, Sure. It's about the fact that we are all scoundrels, and Jesus loves us anyway. But Will Campbell defined the gospel we find in the New Testament that day. He said Jesus loves us anyway. He didn't say Jesus loves us if. He did not say Jesus loves us if we do this or don't do that. He said Jesus loves us anyway, no matter what. Well, Will Campbell would learn firsthand that it's not easy to accept that Jesus loves us anyway. And then when it comes to grace, God does not use the word if. Nor does grace have anything to do with fairness. Will would soon learn that the gospel of Jesus is profoundly radical and that it challenges those of us who live in a fairness-seeking world to learn to see our lives and the people in them in new ways through the eyes of Jesus. And boy, oh boy, can this be hard. March of 1965, Dr. Martin Luther King asked students and others to join him in Selma, Alabama for a civil rights march. And a young man by the name of Jonathan Daniels responded to Dr. King's call. Now, Jonathan was born in Keene, New Hampshire. And after high school, he went off to college. He was the valedictorian of his graduating class. And one year during Easter services at the Episcopal Church, the Church of the Advent in Boston, Jonathan had a powerful conversion experience, and he ended up enrolling in seminary to become an Episcopal priest. And it was during his time in seminary that Jonathan headed to Selma, Alabama to march with Dr. King. And it was then that a Southern preacher befriended him. That Southern preacher was Will Campbell. Well, Will and Jonathan became close friends, bonded by a zeal for Jesus and a passion to help others overcome the oppression of segregation. And one day, Jonathan was picketing white-owned stores that refused to serve blacks. Jonathan was arrested. Well, after he was released from jail, Jonathan walked to a small grocery store to arrange for a ride somewhere. And suddenly, a racist sheriff by the name of Thomas Coleman appeared. The sheriff saw Jonathan sitting outside the store with a Roman Catholic priest and two black men. And as Jonathan, Jonathan sat outside the store drinking a soft drink, Thomas Coleman opened fire with a shotgun and killed Jonathan instantly. 
Well, soon after Jonathan's murder, the reporter P.D. East, who had once asked William to define what Christianity is all about, approached Will Campbell once again. He said, Mr. Campbell, I have some questions for you. You once said that the message of Christianity is that we're all scoundrels and Jesus loves us anyway. Will said, yes, that, that's right. The reporter continued, was your friend Jonathan a scoundrel? Will said, if you mean, was he a sinner? Yes, and Jesus did love him anyway. The reporter then asked, is the sheriff Tom Coleman who killed Jonathan a scoundrel? And Will responded, yes, he is more than a scoundrel and he's certainly a sinner. The reporter then asked Mr. Campbell, between your friend Jonathan Daniels and the sheriff Tom Coleman, who does Jesus love more? Well, when Will Campbell heard that question, he laughed. And then he cried. And then he laughed. And then he cried a lot more. And through his tears, Will Campbell yelled out, the idea that a man can go to a store where a group of human beings are drinking soda pop, kill one of them, with a shotgun blast, and that God would love that man is more than I can understand. But unless that is precisely the case, then there is no gospel. There is no good news. Unless that is the truth, we only have bad news. You see, we were back, each of us then, to trying to earn God's love. And we were left with a God who says to each of us, I will love you if, and only if, and we're stuck with a message of grace that is based on what is fair according to worldly standards. In today's reading from the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus is teaching. It's a parable that makes us want to call out and say, well, that's not fair. And in the Gospel, Jesus tells a story about the way it is, about the way God thinks and acts and loves but in the parable, Jesus tells the story of a business manager who goes out to hire workers for his vineyard. And the manager finds people who are willing to work early in the morning and tells him, I'll give you a full day's wage. And they agree. About mid-morning, the manager finds some more people standing around. I'll give you a fair wage. And they agree. About noon, the manager finds some more people and he offers them a fair wage. And at three and at five in the afternoon, I'll pay you all a fair wage for your six hours of work, for your three hours of work, for your one hour of work. And at the end of the work day, the manager calls all the people together to pay them. He calls only whom he hired at the end of the day first, and he pays them a full day's wage. And the workers who had only worked a short time are thrilled that they received a full day's wage. They can't believe the generosity of the manager. And immediately the people hired at 3, at noon, at 9 a.m., and first thing in the morning, they all get excited because they think they'll be getting more than a full day's wage. But when the manager pays the people their wages, they discover that everybody had been paid the same amount. Hey, that's not fair. The manager says, are you jealous? At a core level, Jesus, through this parable, is teaching us all about God's grace 
and that the love and that the love of God that is at the heart of God's grace. Like it or not, grace is not something that is doled out based on what we do or don't do or how we show up or don't show up. Thank God. Grace is not based on the world's standards of fairness. Grace is not about fairness because we do not have an iffy God. A God who loves us only if we are good people. A God who forgives us only if we live sinless lives. A God who accepts us only if we follow each and every rule down to the last period and exclamation point. And by telling this story, Jesus is asking us to let go of an iffy, conditionally loving God. Jesus is asking us to allow ourselves to be washed over by the love of a risen Lord who never thinks of using the word if when it comes to loving you and loving me. And this is not an easy truth, is it? Because this truth is not applied selectively. This truth applies to everyone that gets us stressed out and angry and out of sorts in our country today. Right-wing Republicans, left-wing progressive Democrats, we're all scoundrels and Jesus loves us anyway. Climate change deniers, climate change activists, we're all scoundrels and Jesus loves us anyway. People that wear masks and those that think it's all a bunch of hogwash, we're all scoundrels and Jesus loves us anyway. People who don't see the color of others and those that only see skin color, we're all scoundrels and Jesus loves us anyway. And if this is not the gospel, if this is not about the, the, the truth about the love of God, then there's absolutely no way that I, Robert, can know if God really loves me because I'm a scoundrel. But the gospel says Jesus loves me anyway and loves you anyway, regardless, no matter what. If we had to earn God's love, how many mistakes could we make before we lose it? How much money would we need to give away? How many pages of Leviticus do we need to get right? What's the bar for earning God's love? What's the measuring stick? How much is good enough? How much is not enough? How much can we sin? And in what way? What sins are okay? What sins aren't? But Jesus says we can't earn it. We don't have to. So instead, receive the love of God. Respond to the love of God with our lives and live it. We're all scoundrels and Jesus loves us anyway. If we embrace this, if we accept it, if we can take in the profound love of God, if we can learn to see ourselves through the love of God, if we come to heal because of the love of God, if we allow our lives to be infused and informed by the love of God, it changes everything, including how we respond, treat, and act toward all the scoundrels in our lives because they are loved by God just like we are. This is something I believe we all need to take to heart and act upon in America today. God's grace 
and our embrace of God's grace will get rid of the divides and the hatred and the animosity. Living by the unfairness of God's grace is what will heal each of us and our country. And our country desperately needs healing. We all need to be the passionate presence of Jesus wherever we are. And on this point, that what this nation needs is grace. And for each of us to embrace the unfairness of God's love is represented by what the writer Sandra McCracken writes. She writes, while we have reasonable reasons to divide, we have more reasons to humbly come together. We aim our judgment towards someone else's dark heart, even as we hope no one notices the same shadows within us. We're all scoundrels. Jesus loves us anyway. Can you imagine how the world would change if we embraced this truth and lived it and responded to it? My friends, God's grace is not fair. And when it comes to the love of God, God is not fair. Thank God. And so when it comes to love and loving others, let's follow Jesus' lead. And not only love those we feel deserve it, but especially those we feel don't. And let us pray.